Welcome to Today in the Word with Pastor Bob Larson of Calvary Chapel Caldwell. Pastor Bob will be with us in just a few minutes, but first we'd like to let you know that Calvary Chapel is located on the corner of 10th and Everett, across from the library in downtown Caldwell. We have two Sunday morning services at 9.30 and 11.30. If you prefer Saturday nights, we have a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. We also have a midweek service Wednesday night at 7 p.m. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on ABC Channel 6.1. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services, where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truths in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. How do you get clean, uh, spiritually speaking? Well, 1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that Greek word for fellowship is what? It's been around since the 70s. Every Calvary Chapel person knew about it. Kononia, right? And so they used to call small groups kononia groups because the word kononia means close relationships, right? Closer than your family. And he said, if you walk in the light of season light, you have fellowship with other believers who love God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So when you love the Lord and you're walking in light, you're going to be going to church. You're going to have close relationships with godly people. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sin. So when we come, <clears throat> how do we get cleansed? Well, he tells us the very next verse, verse 9, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, that's with our mouth, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we simply confess and say, Lord, I agree what you say is true about sin and forgive me, cleanse me, and help me to follow you. Help me to do what's right. And that's what God wants for us to do. Now, uh, obviously, the church of Corinth was not doing that. They were coming to church saying, yeah, everybody do whatever sin you want. It's all cool. And again, Paul's writing them saying, it's not cool. Verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with a sexually immoral person. So he's saying, keep company. That means close relationship. So if you walk in the lies, he's in light, you will have close relationship with other godly people. But he's saying, as a Christian, I already told you, don't hang out with, you know, people who are blatantly, openly in sexual immorality. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived. Now, what does that mean? He's saying to Christians, don't deceive yourself. Evil company corrupts good habit. You can love God, have sincerity in your heart to want to do what's right, but you hang around people that are doing the bad things, sinful things, they're going to influence you, right? Now, it took me two years to figure that out. I would go to my friend's house before church and say, hey, let's go to church. And they'd all be getting high and doing drugs. And they'd say, oh, just wait for us to finish up and then we'll go. And sometimes they would go. It was quite a spectacle. But, <clears throat> but sometimes none of us would go because by just sitting there and waiting for them, pretty soon I was like, whoa, I don't think I should go to church now just sitting here with you guys. Anyway, so, uh, right, so, and, and I just didn't get that, that who you hang around with affects your life. And so Paul's telling this church in Corinth, like, you know, he's just saying, look, you guys are confused about church. And so he says in verse 10, yet I certainly did not mean with sexually immoral people in the world, he's saying heathen people, or with covetous or extortioners or adulterers, since then you would need to go out of this world. So he's saying, I'm not talking about non-Christian people in the world. He's saying, look, uh, you know, he's not saying don't hang out with them because then you'd need to leave the earth because, you know, the world's full of immoral people. But he says in verse 11, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother or a Christian who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or revile or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with them. Now, he's saying don't hang out with people who are sexually immoral or drunkard. He's saying you're not supposed to hang out with those people. If the church is ordaining getting drunk class, then, I mean, when I first got saved, I had a friend who lived in Sun Valley, and uh, he told me that when you know, he first got saved, he went to this church in Sun Valley, and they would go over to his house, have Bible studies, and then get high, smoke some weed, and then drink some beers, and get drunk, and I was like, 
kind of church was that? I mean, anyway, but uh, it was the kind of Corinthian church, right? The kind that's confused and doesn't understand what the Bible says. Now, so what he's saying is, uh, you know, he's not talking about like a, si- a brother or sister in the Lord who struggles with sin. Everybody struggles with sin. Let's just clarify that. There are no perfect people in this room. Everybody has issues, whether whatever it is, everyone sins. But what he's talking about is openly blatant sin, where you're proud of it and you don't care what the Bible says and somebody talks to you like, I don't care what you say or what anybody says. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to sin and I'm cool with that. And he's saying, don't hang out with those kind of people. Verse 12, for what have I to do with judging those who are outside? He's saying, look, as Christians, you know, we don't judge the world. God's the one who judges the world. Do you not judge those who are inside? No, he's talking about inside the church, the family of God. But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. So he's saying, uh, the goal is to restore this person, uh, tell them that they can't come to church, and hopefully then they'll experience the consequence of their sin and then recognize it's bad and want to repent and want to come back to church. Now, here's a problem in the church today. Sometimes Christians enable other Christians, when they begin to experience the consequences of their sin, they bail them out so they don't experience the consequences of sin, and then they think sin is not bad. And, and, and that's important to understand that that's what Paul's getting at here. So there is a time when family members, church members, whatever it is, people around you, if they are deliberately, rebelliously, openly rebelling against God and deliberately wanting to go against what God says and they begin to experience consequences of it, you shouldn't bail them out of that, right? I mean, I told my kids when they were little this truth. I said, look, we love you and no matter what you do, we love you. Uh, But if you, you know, decide to rob banks, then when you're in jail in prison, we will bring you cookies and, you know, a Bible or whatever. But, I mean, you're going to be in jail. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? And we're not going to bail you out. I told them, look, I'm not going to put the money up to get you out. You're going to stay in there because that's the consequence of your sin. And I remember them thinking, that just seems stupid, Dad. None of us are going to become bank robbers. I'm like, all right, well, that's good. But anyway, <coughs> that's what he's talking about. <coughs> and I think in our society, Christian parents can be guilty of this, right? Their kids get involved in things and they bail them out. And I even had one parent tell me, they said, the worst thing I did was every time one of my adult children gets involved in this sinful thing, then I shell out lots of money and bail them out. And this person told me, I've been doing that now for 10 or 15 years, and now it's perpetuated, and now they think there's no consequences for sin because I bail them out every time the consequences come. And I remember this person telling me this thinking, huh, my kids were like in high school, (coughs) and so I thought, okay, note to self, don't do that, right? Okay, so if your son gets a DUI and wrecks his car, don't buy him a new car right? I mean, that's what I was telling myself, but now somebody's saying, oh, Pastor Bob, I did that last week. Well, I'm not, that's just an example. I don't know what's going on in your life. Nobody's told me anything about it, but here's the thing. He's just saying, look, the consequences of sin have an effect, and, and because God loves us, he allows us to experience the consequences to show us that it's bad. Now, it goes on in verse 1 of chapter 6 and says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. So in the Greek society then, much like our society, a lot of litigation, everybody was suing everybody. And in the Corinthian church, people were suing people just to take advantage of people. Now he wasn't talking about legitimate legal action. He was talking about where they're just trying to rip people off, suing people. Um, You know, uh, I think in our society now, they, they call some of those sort of cases like ambulance chasers, right? That there's lawyers that all they do is follow ambulances around and they get to a place where there was a wreck and get their person, hey, let's sue them, right? You know, let them know what happened. I was in the wrong. doesn't matter. We're going to sue them, right? And so he's, he's saying, look, we shouldn't be doing that. <clears throat> but we should be peacemakers, right? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. So we shouldn't be suing people in church is what he's talking about over stupid things. Verse 2, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, 
are you unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? And so he's probably talking about when Christ returns, that he's going to rule and reign over the earth, and the Bible says that we're going to rule and reign with him. And he's saying, look, you are spiritual. Aren't you able to judge in small matters? Verse 3, do you not know that we will judge angels? And so uh, now some of you might be thinking, we're going to judge angels? This is good. Because uh, uh, some of you are thinking, I want to question my guardian angel about where he was last time I got in this car wreck. Where were you? Now, you might find out when you get there, he says to you, look, you're driving faster than your guardian angel can fly, so it's not his fault. you got to slow it down, right? Uh, man, I was just in California last week at a pastor's conference, and man, any of you who think that driving here is bad, you just need to get out a little more. I mean, it's like you need to go down there and get in 10 lanes going 80 miles an hour, bumper to bumper, uh, for a couple hours. And then you're like, oh, we came back to Idaho, and we got to the airport, and we drove out to Cobble, and it literally felt like we were driving out in the middle of nowhere through Montana. I mean, it was like but it was here. Anyway, uh, right, but, uh, you, you know, we, he's just saying, look, that we're God, God's people, and, 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 you know, we need to be able to recognize that we can make judgments on things because we have the wisdom of God. Verse 3, how much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Now, I think he's talking about the, the secular judges when he's talking about the least esteem, and he's saying, um, you know, there are things that judges should judge, but spiritual matters in the church, you don't need to go to a judge, right? And he's not putting down the legal system. Um, you know, it's just that secular judges don't know the word of God. And, you know, when secular judges make decisions about, you know, things, uh, uh, sometimes, I mean, we have people at your church, they go to court for something, they come back and tell me this is what the judge decided, and I think, is there a dumber person on earth? I mean, like, what kind of judgment was that? And any of you who've been involved with it have probably heard those sort of things. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So, you know, uh, you know the secular government judging legal system, that has its place. And in our country, it started out by Christians with biblical values. That's why, you know, a lot of the Ten Commandments are against the law. Uh, but now it's been twisted and perverted. And, and uh, you know, now in our legal system, we have, um, we have a lot of people who think that, you know, our system should be torn down and it should be rebuilt. And uh, criminals should have all the rights and honest people should have none. Uh, I mean, th and that's basically their philosophy. Um, and I won't get off into why. But anyways, Paul's saying, uh, look, you shouldn't be suing each other over stupid little things. Verse 5, I say to you, uh, this to your shame, it is so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren. So he's kind of rebuking them, saying, look, there's not one wise person that can judge amongst, these, amongst yourselves, right? And, uh, but at the same time, the, the Christians in Corinth thought they were super spiritual, thought they were smarter than everybody, more spiritual than everyone. And Paul's saying, look, you guys don't have one smart person here. Verse 6, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. And so brother speaks about, you know, the church family. And he's saying, look, in your church family, you can't find someone to help you sort this out, right? And, and uh, in Galatians 6.1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so, so, so fulfill the law of Christ. So uh, that word restore there, when it's talking about restoring someone, uh, it's a medical term. It means to set a broken bone. And, uh, you know, uh, it made me think about w uh, when I first became a Christian, there were a bunch of cowboys that went to the church I went to, and they were bull riders, and they would break bones all the time. Collarbones, you know, arms, legs, all kinds of stuff. And 
you know, they would tell us about how when someone would break a bone, they would have to go over there and snap it back. And, and one of my good friends, Rick Brown, his brother was a, a pro bull rider. And they talked to, he, he was telling this story about one time where someone, his leg broke, it fractured, came out of the skin. And then someone had to go, another bull rider grabs it and snaps it back in. Now, I just think, oof, man, that's tough. And, and, and I remember saying to him, I don't think I could do that. I mean, just could you imagine looking at the person's face while you're grabbing their leg and going, this might hurt a little, snap. I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't think I could do that. But, but what he's saying is, spiritually, we need to love people and want to help people, right? So if, if someone has a problem, you need to help them, encourage them. And, and uh, you know, uh, that's, that's how the church is supposed to work, like a family, right? If our family has problems, no matter how annoying they are, we love them, we pray for them, we try to help them as much as we can. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. We'd like to share with you a couple of things that are going on here at Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel Caldwell is now hiring full-time and part-time positions for our exciting Calvary Kids Learning Center. If you enjoy working with children from newborn through kindergarten, please give us a call at 453-9653. Positions are Monday through Friday with our availability to fit your schedule. To learn more about these exciting opportunities, please call 453-9653. We look forward to meeting with you. Calvary Chapel Caldwell would like to invite you to our Saturday night service at 7 p.m. This is an alternative for those who cannot make it to our Sunday morning services. Like us on Facebook at Calvary Chapel Caldwell or check out our website at calvarycaldwell.com. You can watch Today in the Word on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on The CW, Channel 2.2. Join us as we broadcast Calvary Chapel Caldwell's Sunday morning church services where Pastor Bob teaches you how to apply the truth in your Bible to your everyday experiences so that you might enjoy a better life. If you would like a copy of Pastor Bob's message today in its entirety, you can call us at 208-453-9653 during the hours of 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you're not currently attending a church and are in the Caldwell area, we'd like to invite you to one of our services. We're located on the corner of 10th and Everett, right across from the library in downtown Caldwell. You can also visit us on the web at calvarycaldwell.com. If Today in the Word is ministered to you and you would like to support this radio outreach ministry, we encourage you to pray for us. You can also partner with us financially. Simply visit calvarycaldwell.com to make a donation. Thank you for joining us for Today in the Word. May the Lord bless you and may you have a great day. Today is the day you will